You're listening to Decisive Point, a U.S. Army War College Press production focused on national security affairs. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the authors and are not necessarily those of the Department of the Army, the U.S. Army War College, or any other agency of the U.S. government. Decisive Point welcomes Colonel Tyrell O. Mayfield, author of Indian Perspectives, Insights for the Indo-American Partnership, which was published in the winter 2022-23 issue of Parameters. Mayfield is the Deputy Foreign Policy Advisor to the Chief of Staff of the U.S. Air Force. He holds a master's degree in international relations from the University of Oklahoma and master's degrees from the Naval Postgraduate School and the U.S. Army War College. He's the co-editor of Redefining the Modern Military, the Intersection of Profession and Ethics, published in 2018. Your article discusses Indian philosopher Katilia. I look forward to hearing about this, but first, thanks for being here, Ty. Thank you, Stephanie. It's my pleasure, and I'm glad to join you. I just want to open by making sure it's clear that, that our conversation here today reflects my own thoughts and not the policy or position of the Air Force, the Department of Defense, or the U.S. government. But uh, I'm very happy to be here, and I look forward to talking with you. We're glad to have you. Let's just jump right in and get started. Please briefly explain Cotillia's perspectives. Sure. So the writings of Cotillia, first of all, he's a leading Indian philosopher, and I find them a, a useful lens for understanding India's pursuit of national interests. Katilia was an Indian statesman and a political advisor who emerged around 300 BCE, provided a realist outlook on geopolitics through his foundational work. Importantly, Katilian theory provides a culturally and historically informed construct for thinking about Indian behavior and Indian interests and Indian foreign policy. And his logic continues to influence strategic thought today. And I think it's manifest in some of India's national security interests uh, and its assessment of its geography and its international relations, which I, I hope we get to talk a little about. You assert in your article that the United States needs to understand how India sees the region and the world. And you suggest that the theories and ideas of Katilia might lend some insight here. Give us some context. What's the situation in the Indo-Pacific right now as it applies to this topic? Sure. Well, the United States has clearly identified the PRC, China, as its pacing challenge. And the U.S. has been trying desperately for a number of years, maybe a decade now, to pivot away from Southwest Asia, pivot away from Europe, uh, and to focus on the Pacific with an eye on controlling or at least shaping and influencing the rise of the PRC. India is central to advancing American interests in that region. It's an enormous state uh, and a huge player in the area, but it's been a difficult partner for the United States to approach this concept of kind of strategic autonomy and independence that's deeply embedded in, in Indian culture has made it a difficult partner to approach. But I think it's worth noting that India has three core national security interests uh, that I've identified in in this article, and that they align with U.S. interests in the Pacific. So I think the first one there important to to note is that Indians are interested in sustaining the international system, which has helped give rise to their power and influence and sustaining this international system, something that the West and the United States is very interested in. Uh, allows India to continue to uh, develop economically and address its societal development and economic development. And those are the things that have given rise to Indian power. And the second interest is deterring Pakistan, clearly, and trying to avoid that conflict from reigniting. But this links Pakistan and China. These are two state actors whose futures and interests in the area have become deeply intertwined which is also kind of leads us to the third national interest for India, which is maintaining hegemony in its traditional sphere of influence. Chinese encroachment into the Indian Ocean region is a complex issue. It's something a lot of states are dealing with. 
And it's something that the United States is trying to help those states kind of address and control. Uh, and so I think these are kind of three areas where uh, U.S. interests are definitely aligned with Indian interests. Let's talk about the Mandala theory. You use this to address strategic partnerships and silent war. Will you expand on that for us? So the Mandala theory is just really how Cotillia kind of envisions the geography around him and neighboring kingdoms, how he saw it, how he thought about it. And so just trying to maintain their influence in that region, Cotillia described this kind of emanating from the subcontinent, which we think of as India today, west through what was then Persia, today modern-day Iran, north to uh, what is modern-day Afghanistan, and then east to kind of the, the Bay of Bengal, that, that region. So it's basically comprised of the eight member nations of the South Asian Association for Regional Cooperation. That geography really hasn't changed for India, though I think now they're looking much further south, right, into the Indian Ocean, where uh, maritime competition has certainly become a more modern aspect of the, uh, the situation. And the Mandala theory, basically, it's adjoining states become kingdoms or, or states which need to be uh, addressed or controlled. And Kautui was a little bit of a realist, or actually very much a realist. And so uh, those adjoining states either have to be He's a classical realist in his assertion that states have to either seek or suffer conquest. So India sees itself in realist terms relative to Pakistan and China. And then those states which are adjacent to them, kind of if you think of it as like a checkerboard or concentric circles would be another way to think of it, are states which India can find alignment with and support to pursue its national interests. So that's where these ideas of strategic partnerships come in, which are really just a Cold War relic, something that the Soviet Union began, uh, and it allowed the Soviet Union to work bilaterally, kind of outside of the international system, the construct, through bilateral agreements. And I think well, the example that I use in the paper here is India's strategic partnership agreements with Afghanistan, which they've had two of them, but because they're an alignment tool, they're non-binding. They don't, they don't force India to act militarily in any way. And when they no longer served the purpose or weren't useful, India was able to, uh, to abandon them. Did you want to talk about silent war? Yeah, so I think this uh, concept of silent war is really just a way for states to, perhaps competition is the best word for this, right? So for, for states to compete short of conflict, right? Uh, when Katoyu would think of an adjoining kingdom that was a strong kingdom or a dominant kingdom, a dominant power adjacent, when direct confrontation isn't the tool, then it's just a long-term campaign of kind of in cotillion parlance would be harassment and weakening, right? But I think today we talk about that in terms of competition. And I think that alignment, again, plays a huge role here versus alliances. And so I think the quad is an interesting kind of a lens to view Indian alignment through. And so the quad has kind of been revitalized here uh, in the last few years, it had two in-person meetings and has fielded this new maritime domain awareness initiative, which is a, a great construct and really shows Indian interest in aligning with other powers in the region to help balance uh, against China, which is obviously what a lot of the states in, in the Indo-Pacific are trying to do right now. I'm glad you brought up China. What are your recommendations for how the U.S. can gain Indian partnership and address U.S. national security interests of managing a rising China? Persuading India into full security partnership with the United States is probably unlikely. It certainly wouldn't be easy. I also don't believe that it is necessary. India's use of these bilateral strategic partnership agreements is consistent with Cotillion foreign policy and the logic. And so I think 
if you think of it that way, then it's not necessarily surprising that the Quad rests kind of at the center of India's foreign policy under Prime Minister Modi. Continuing logic drives India to avoid alliances and seek alignment. And so I think the United States, we have to exercise a certain amount of strategic empathy here and just understand India and how India sees the world. And if alignment is the tool which they display a preference for, then I think addressing that with them and finding places where we can, where we seek alignment and our interests are aligned. So one of those is at the National Security Council, I'm sorry, the United Nations Security Council. Obviously there's a lot in play right now. There has been some talk for reform at the United Nations Security Council. And India is one of the states which is very much interested in seeking a permanent seat at the UN uh, on the Security Council there. And so an interesting kind of aspect in their strategic partnership agreements that they sign is that when they sign these with other states, one of the bylines in there is that they will support India's pursuit of a permanent seat at the Security Council. So Security Council change or change to the UN Charter would take a, a very long time. But mm-hmm. I think it's something that the United States could put forward or at least begin to have the conversation. Uh, and even if it didn't go anywhere, it would highlight India and kind of give a nod to their, their power and influence and their, their importance on the international stage. And then lastly, I think I'll come back to the Quad. And I think it's important to understand the Quad is a diplomatic tool, mm-hmm. uh, an alignment of diplomatic and information and in some instances in economic instruments of national power. I think it's really important that the United States be very deliberate in not militarizing the Quad, because I think once that does that, then the Quad would take on an aspect or kind of a tone or tenor, which the Indians would be very much disinclined to participate in, because what they don't want to do is antagonize China militarily. And so I think we as the United States have to be disciplined in letting the Quad be what it is. And it's a very powerful diplomatic and information tool. And it shows a great deal of alignment. So I just think uh, as it pertains to the Indo-Pacific, South Asia, and American foreign policy there, the United States just, we have to be patient here. uh, And we have to break our reactive approach to foreign policy there and just be purposeful about our engagement with India and work, work hard on securing a partnership that demonstrates alignment and is beneficial to both states. Do you have any final thoughts? You know, this is... An interesting area, obviously, an area of foreign policy, it's of interest to the United States. And I think that it's important and useful to look at it through the lens of another state that we want alignment with, that we want to partner with. Uh, And a lot of times I think India is, uh, it's misunderstood and that is in some ways understandable and they can be a difficult partner to approach. But this idea of strategic autonomy and independence that, that India has always maintained doesn't mean that they can't be partnered with, and it doesn't mean that we can't find areas of alignment. Uh, And I think the first step to that is understanding India, understanding how India sees the world, and then just rethinking our approach to that. Thanks so much for sharing your insights on this topic. Very interesting. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. Learn more about Katilia, his perspectives, and what they might mean for the Indo-American partnership at press.armywarcollege.edu slash parameters. Look for volume 52 issue four. If you enjoyed this episode of Decisive Point and would like to hear more, you can find us on any major podcast platform. 